0: That if you fight it, that's when you start not having a good time. It's to learn to go with it and to have that understanding as to why. Almost every single psychoactive I've come across has brought about a level of self-reflection that uh, I kind of took singular with each one.
1: Welcome to Oregon Rooted. I'm Higher
2: Peaks. This is Lady Sativa.
1: You're listening to The Dirt Show
2: where we bring you Oregon's cannabis culture.
1: To the dirt show i'm higher peaks
2: and this is lady sativa
1: how was your weekend did you have a good weekend
2: it was fun
1: yeah we went to the turpin sunday i
2: fucking ruined my nikes on sunday
1: oh yeah we also went golf yeah was a great hold on day.
2: previous to the turpin sunday we got to golf
1: finally after a couple months of this garbage winter
2: but we had a moat is that what you want to call it or was that was that like a were we walking through a swamp Hole
1: number five was shitty
2: it <laughs> to say the least yeah. it was like a swamp the, the, the only place that you weren't the, wet like, is at the hole um and at the tee off
1: we should have been clued in on the fact when we saw like five balls just stuck in the mud in the middle of the fairway you're like We're why all, didn't everybody <laughs> want those
2: i wonder why they left them slunk slunk oh that's why
1: <laughs> man but that turpin sunday afterwards kind of made up for the day it was nice and cozy good food catered by chef dup
2: yeah that was a lot of fun Chef up official
1: yeah that's on ig you can check them out and uh, apparently they're you know doing the scene around here
2: yep and hi megan Pie. hi megan pie not <laughs> five 503 kush <laughs> they run in the show for us it was a lot of fun
1: basically it's just a big get together where all us potheads get together in a safe spot you know, this area doesn't private have...
2: private home since we're not allowed to have yeah. anything around here.
1: Yeah, this area around here doesn't really allow much of these social clubs, which needs to happen. So,
2: mm-hmm. And so it's just a bunch of friends getting together.
1: Yeah, it works though. So let's jump right into the news. We got a good episode coming, so I want to get right to it. Uh, Why don't you start us off? I think we only had a couple things that we just want to bring up real quick.
2: Yeah, just a couple. A review found that cannabis may offer therapeutic advantages to behavioral symptoms of autism spectrum disorder and fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and to the severe nausea and vomiting in the hyperemesis gravidarium.
1: Which I believe is just that overwhelming sickness that can happen sometimes uh basically i just wanted to say something on that it just says the increasing medicinal use of cannabis during recent years has largely overlooked children and pregnant women basically due to the litigious and ethical concerns you know we ran through that and we've talked about it on previous podcast about being pregnant and using cannabis and mm-hmm. also being questioned by you know uh state uh, government like dhs uh what they're saying here is that Uh, they're seeing increasing numbers of children being treated uh, for these autism spectrum disorder and this fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And it seems to be helping when they look at all these studies. Also that pregnant women treated for this hyperemesis um, apparently is working well too. So I really think they need to look more into this. And that's what this is saying here Uh, because the stigmatism about women using it while pregnant
0: Mm
1: -hmm. obviously is unfounded at this point
2: yeah i'm uh, trying to figure it out
1: absolutely and then just on the comedic side this is funny uh apparently the smoking gun in colorado it's a tasting room is opening up it's going to be the first to have a replica jail cell apparently they're bringing back the nostalgia of the 90s
2: <laughs> is that the movie the smoking gun
1: No, I mean, you know, smoking, I don't know. It's a play on words. But yeah, I imagine it's a reference to the smoking gun. (laughs) Because isn't that
2: about a jail, too?
1: (laughs) Probably. Okay. (laughs) I just thought that was funny. That
2: is pretty funny. I like that.
1: All right, let's go into the episode. I sat down and talked with a gentleman. His name was Juan Martinez. And he's a gentleman that's been working in the industry around here for the last, like, six years or so. He's been in hash, rosin making, and growing cannabis for uh, a few farms around this area had some experience with peyote and now me and you we don't have experience with that yet
2: Mm -mm, i haven't had the pleasure
1: no we've been doing our definite fair share of mushrooms and you know we're going to start our journey with dmt and lsd but this whole uh, mescaline which is basically peyote uh, we haven't tried and it's interesting because it is one of those things that is you know in the endangered species it's a very a powerful psychedelic that's been used by native americans at, essentially in north america in our area mm-hmm. so it kind of concerns this part of the world um so we're gonna talk about that real quick we i interviewed him and he talked a lot about he had some experience with native americans the sundance and the eight days that it takes and what they do and a lot of that like three or four days of that includes peyote use Nice. So, he talks a lot about it, and it's really interesting. Now, he also goes into uh, cannabis use and mushrooms. Now, aside from peyote, I, I'm I'm thinking that cannabis is probably going to be a good thing to use along with psychedelics, anyway. But me and you do have experience now with cannabis and mushrooms, mm-hmm. and I prefer it.
2: Mm-hmm. I do too. Uh,
1: and you, I mean, obviously, and this is something for you. I've had more experience than you, so. I mean, to hear you say that you like it right away is cool. I think for me on the come up and the come down, it's important. Like it eases you into it.
2: I think cannabis is good for me with everything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That could be true too.
2: Dessert, breakfast.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the nice thing though I find is that not only the come up, but I use it on the come down because I don't know what you think still, but I still get the potential of some anxiety on the come down. And I think that's just partly... Because I'm coming down and I just need to do something like when we play video games, mm-hmm. that works equally as great.
2: Um, but we are smoking at the same time.
1: But smoking too. And yeah. that for me, that it
2: makes I, the TV breathe.
1: Well, it does. <laughs> I'll tell you this it does enhance the things going on with the trip. So it can ride the trip out longer. But for me, it adds a sense of calmness. Mm-hmm. So if I do have some anxiety or if I feel like I'm going to even go sideways, you know, using that is for me is great. But like you did, like you just said, be careful because it can add to it. Mm -hmm. I've had those experiences where I did take like a smoke that whole bowl that one time. And I said it was just overly enhanced it uh, Mm -hmm. too much, too much. So be careful with that. Now, peyote, we all know peyote. It's a small spineless cactus, of course, and it's got the psychoactive alkaloid uh, known as mescaline. That's the main Uh, component inside of it. Now, it's a Spanish word derived from the Aztec, which means to glisten or glistening. I find that pretty pretty interesting. (laughs) But it can also be translated in other parts of the uh, areas as divine messenger, which again, very fitting. Now, it's native to Mexico and Southwest Texas. It is also found primarily in the Chihuahuan Desert and in the states of Cojia, Nuevo Leon, Tamaulipas, and San Luis Potosi, among scrub, I guess. Now, I probably just raped all those places. That was very amusing. (laughs) Was it? Do you want to say them? No. Okay. Nonetheless, uh, basically, North America is what we're talking about here. Uh, it, It flowers from March to May and sometimes as late as September. The flowers are pink with thigmatactic anthers and using its psychoactive properties, these indigenous North Americans ingested it in ritualistic and medicinal ways both.
2: The cactus produces flowers uh, sporadically. They're followed by small edible pink fruit. The club-shaped to elongated fleshy fruits are bare and more or less rosy colored. At maturity, they are brownish white and dry. The fruits do not burst open on their own, and they are between 1.5 and 2 centimeters long. They contain black pear-shaped seeds that are 1 to 1.5 millimeters long and 1 millimeter wide. The seeds require hot and humid conditions to germinate. Peyote contains a large spectrum of phenethylamine alkaloids. (laughs) The principal one is mescaline. The
1: mescaline. I wish I had some experience with this. I don't know. It's easy to get without having peyote. I know that they make either synthesized, yeah, right, exactly, or extracted. I imagine, Mm -hmm. but again, I have you ever, ever in your life like had anybody like say i got some peyote
2: no i've had people say they had Mescaline though
1: oh yeah okay interesting i've heard that but it's jump on that next time
2: well (laughs) now that i know but i don't know if it gives you the same effects because i think that that's also uh, it was a different type of medicinal
1: yeah and and not knowing much i imagine they have synthetic too
2: i think so and it's probably doesn't going to do the same thing to you but it probably is a medicinal effect for you
1: sure the main problem with peyote is it's extremely slow-growing, although cultivated specimens grow considerably faster, sometimes taking less than three years to go from seedling to mature flowering adult. More rapid growth can be achieved by grafting peyote on mature San Pedro rootstock. Now, I even know San Pedro grows slow, but apparently not quite as slow as, as peyote because that's that's the biggest issue and mm-hmm. why it's on endangered.
2: Right. The top of the above-ground part of the cactus the crown, consists of the disc-shaped buttons. These are cut above the roots and sometimes dried. When done properly, the top of the above-ground part of the cactus, the crown, consists of the disc-shaped buttons. These are cut above the roots and sometimes dried. When done properly, the top of the root forms a callus and the root does not rot. When poor harvesting techniques are used, however, the entire plant dies.
1: And I guess that's would be the inherent problem um, between the slow growth and the fact that it's...
2: So if it's poorly harvested and if you don't know what the fuck you're doing... Yeah, well, people are just like, hey, killing it, it off. Is, just pull it right off there, Which bro. makes sense of why it's going out of... You know, it's endangered.
1: Mm-hmm. So currently in South Texas, peyote grows naturally but has been overharvested to the point that the state has listed it as an endangered species. Now, the buttons are generally chewed, boiled in water to produce a psychoactive tea. Peyote is extremely bitter, and most people are nauseated before they feel the onset of the psychoactive effects. I've heard that the nausea actually kicks in the psychoactive effects, so much like ayahuasca, apparently. Mm-hmm. When used for its psychoactive properties, common doses for pure masculine range roughly 200 to 400 milligrams. This translates to a dose of roughly 10 to 20 grams of dried peyote buttons of average potency, keeping in mind that, you know, unless you extract it, there's no way to tell, you know, like, like mushrooms, even, Mm -hmm. you know, you you really don't know how potent they are. Exactly. Uh, It'd be nice if these testing labs would, hey, we got psilocybin testing. Right. (laughs) We have mescaline testing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the effects last about ten to twelve hours, much like LSD. And peyote is reported to trigger rich visual and auditory effects, again similar to LSD, to where things cross over. You might taste colors or, you know, feel music, right? That kind of thing. So,
2: in addition to psychoactive use, some Native American tribes use the plant in the belief it may have curative properties. They employ peyote to treat such varied ailments as toothache. Pain in childbirth, fever, breast pain, skin diseases, rheumatism, diabetes, colds, and blindness.
1: Which I think is pretty cool. Uh, you know, I <laughs> if it really works for all that, <laughs> it'd be nice to have some of that available. Right. And I wonder how they use it. Like, you think they just rub it on their tooth?
2: <laughs> I don't know.
1: I don't know either. Like, maybe a paste? I know they can make paste out of it. Probably. Anyway. Um, As far as its history, uh, in 2005, researchers used radiocarbon dating and alkaloid analysis to study two specimens of peyote buttons. They found them in archaeological digs from a site called Shumla Cave on the Rio Grande in Texas. The results dated the specimens to between, I believe, 3780 and 3660 BCE alkaloid extraction yielded approximately 2% of the alkaloids, including mescaline in both samples. I wonder if they took those. (laughs) This indicates that Native North Americans were likely to have used peyote since at least 5,500 years ago. That's quite a long time.
2: Yeah, it is. From earliest recorded time, peyote has been used by indigenous people of North Mexico and by various Native American tribes. Its usage was also recorded among various southwestern Athabascan-language tribal groups. The Tonkawa, the Mescalero, the Lapin Apache were the sources of the first practitioners of peyote religion in the regions north of present-day Mexico. I, I probably it. murdered those.
1: Um, now, with peyote, you know and just to cover this real quick, any adverse reactions, there was actually a study published in 2007, found no evidence of long-term cognitive problems related to it, and this was use in Native American church ceremonies. Uh, but researchers stressed the results may not apply to those who use peyote in other contexts. I don't know what that means. Does that mean you're going to damage your brain if you use it recreationally? <laughs> A four year large scale study of Navajo who regularly ingested peyote found only one case where peyote was associated with psychotic break in an otherwise healthy person. Other psychotic episodes were attributed to peyote use in conjunction with pre existing substance abuse or mental health problems. Now, we're seeing that with like cannabis and other things where these psychoactive drugs can trigger these psychosis, mm-hmm. but usually in people that are already susceptible. So I don't think that's anything unusual. I think we're gonna
2: I think that can be that can happen to anybody. Um, yeah, with many things people just cannot they just don't need to use certain things.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now later research found that those with pre existing mental health issues are more likely to have adverse reactions to the peyote, which we were just saying. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's a surprise at all.
2: Make note of these two specifics. One the peyote can have strong emetic effects and one death has been attributed to esophageal bleeding caused by vomiting after peyote ingestion in a Native American patient with a history of alcohol abuse. Peyote is also known to cause potentially serious variations in heart rate, blood pressure, breathing, and pupillary dilation. Two research. Into the natives of central western Mexico who have taken peyote regularly for an estimated 1,500 years or more found no evidence of chromosomes damage in either men or women.
1: Which I think is key, too, because I think they've tried to link LSD and chromosome damage, but they found no links here at all. Uh, 1,500 years, too. That's a significant amount of time of peyote ingestion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So legal wise, peyote is a Schedule One, but non-drug uses of peyote in religious ceremonies by the Native American Church and its members are exempt from registration. So, following the passage of the American Indian Religious Freedoms Act amendments of 1994, United States federal law and many state laws protect the harvest, possession, consumption, and cultivation of peyote as part of the bona fide religious ceremonies.
2: Bonafide.
1: Bona fide. Bona fide. The federal statute being the American Indian Religious Freedoms Act. Now, that was like 94.
2: And they still use bona fide in 94?
1: Well, I think that was the...
2: the (laughs) That's a bona fide religious ceremony.
1: Well, that was quoted, so that must have been the reference to it. But, you know, they had been using these for thousands of years. And then, of course, the states, you know, in the 1800s. And then, of course, 1900s, 20s and 30s, when they did all this, drug started this... um, You know propaganda and laws against drugs. You know, obviously peyote was Schedule One, and the only real person that has legal access now is these religious uh, ceremonies, which does allow, like I said, harvest possession consumption, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But man, do you have to prove all that? So right.
2: And then we'll end with this. An interesting fact, Texas Rangers captured by Union forces during the American Civil War soaked peyote buttons in water and became intoxicated with the liquid. Hell yeah. <laughs> wonder what they were tripping on. What they were seeing. They were riding their horses backwards. <laughs> like in Young Guns, he saw butterflies. I don't
1: blame him. I really don't blame him. I would have been doing the same damn thing.
2: All I'm seeing, I'm just flashes of Young Guns. When they're all high on peyote and, and his laugh. yeah. laughs. Yeah.
1: can't do it. <laughs> That's all right, the well,
2: best part of that whole movie.
1: <laughs> all right. And right before we go into the interview, you know, we get emails from listeners. Mm-hmm. And uh, we haven't been reading any. No. And I do appreciate getting the emails. I do respond to them. I get, you know, get back to people. And we do like people sending them in for any reason, whether it's, you know, give us recommendations, feedback, tell us how to change, what to do, you know, tell us if we're doing good or not. I want to hear all that. Um, This one just happened to get slipped into the uh, junk file. A lot of times people will send us, you know, emails, and for whatever reason, my Gmail will just file it under junk or spam, I guess, so I have to search for that stuff. But I found this one and um, got back to the gentleman, but I just wanted to start reading him on the show. Yeah, Uh, to let, you know, to let people know what's going on behind the scenes and share what our listeners are giving us. And uh, so I think that'll become a regular thing. This one's a gentleman from Mike. He's from Oregon. It says, I'm a 56 year old cannabis patient card holder living in Oregon. In addition, I'm a very modest investor in the OTC market. Thank you for the wonderful podcast and the opportunities for quote, learning and sharing the learning. I grew my first cannabis plant in the summer of 2019, and now I'm preparing live soil for hemp. I've been blessed to learn about the potential of a chemical-free, regenerative polyculture cultivation and the wonderful cannabis and hemp inputs for wellness products. Here's a link I hope is enjoyable, and thank you for the wonderful work. Well, we really appreciate that, Mike. Um, And I think he's referring to the Future 4200 That episode, uh, which permaculture, you know, I'd love to have some property right
2: now that we could do some permaculture I wish we had more property to do a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. But this guy sounds like he's in it, I would have
2: so much stuff going when it came (laughs) to my cannabis plants, man. I have a huge idea going.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And I think uh, this guy has real good positive intention for whatever he's doing. Uh, There was some other details in the email uh, that he's taking care of some family members that have some health issues, but... um, all with good intentions and it sounds Mm -hmm. like he's doing real well out there. So uh, we appreciate that again, Mike, and thanks for letting us know. And I glad we're glad you're here in Oregon. That's for sure.
2: And when it does come to our listeners, if you do have emails that you want us to read online um, or on air, you can always send them to us. And what you don't want us to include um, on air, you can also tell us, but you can still have personal sure. stories that you can share with us and we won't share if you don't want us to
1: Oregon at gmail.com. <laughs> All right, let's get into the interview now. Again, this is Juan
0: Martinez. Enjoy the show. Oregon love. Oregon love. Yeah. So my name, full name is Juan Alberto Ismael Martinez, but I go by Juan. Now you've been growing weed your whole life. I mean, yeah. essentially since you could, or- sure. Uh, well, I mean, not all my life. I'm 31. And uh, I've been growing for about six, six, seven years. Um, It was three, three to four years, roughly indoor. And then I moved out here to Oregon. And now I've been going three, three to four years. And in the midst of me also growing indoors, I was coming out here and helping out harvest. So then once I made the move, out here to Oregon completely, it was kind of a good transition for me. It wasn't so uh, new. It was uh, something that I had already worked at. So it's, you know, but but it's, you know. Bottom line is you've seen the black market. Oh, most definitely. I was <laughs> <laughs> surviving on the black market for yeah. for quite a while. Uh, that was just my main thing. Uh, I kind of said stick it to the man when uh, I knew they were already sticking it to me. Um, I just real quick, I uh, was working, uh, at a resort, you know, they want to be five diamond, not a, not star diamonds, a different grading, uh, but they want to be five because they were a four diamond and working there. Uh, they, they had me working in, in the whole restaurant line and I was making about 1073. I had a degree I asked for a dollar raise. They were pushing, shoving, and they, they basically were dragging their feet for about six months. Come to find out, they never really put in the paperwork to get me a raise. Uh, the chef had lied to me, straight-faced. So I i put in my two weeks and respectfully resigned from that 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 kind of era of my life. And they uh, went full-blown black market there after that. For, <laughs> so as far as growing, you mean? Uh, I mean... At that time, there wasn't really too much growing because I was, I oh, I was in Arizona at that time. you know. Yeah. So when it came to the growing and the medical, come that was when I was about 24, 25. And I definitely started growing immediately once that was uh, allowed to me. Uh, growing indoors first, started in a closet, transitioned to a room, yep. then from there to two rooms, and then to a, a hole house man that's the classic story man (laughs) yeah closet to a room to a whole house (laughs) and so uh that that honestly was that was a blessing man to be able to experience that and also translate that somewhat of that knowledge to the outdoor grow because it's a completely different thing you know yeah it's got in a closet as to you're at the will of, you know, the gods in a sense, or the weather. <laughs> yeah. Whatever nature, mother, yeah, yeah God, <laughs> all of it.
1: Yeah. How did you come across it? Was it a teenage thing, rebellion thing, or did it just work for you?
0: Um, I actually started smoking, man, at a young age, uh, 13. Uh, a friend of mine was like, uh, I started, sm- he's like, I smoked. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I want you to smoke. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay. so yeah. he made it this little gathering. We had you know a gathering of about four or five guy friends and four or five girlfriends and uh, we were all smoking and uh, I was at the back of my house for the first time. And from there on, I kind of fell in love, man. Yeah, the f- one of the first few experiences I had was my brain, feeling like getting one of those water jet massages. Have you ever had one of those? <laughs> yeah, I think so. My entire brain was getting that just away from the front to the back, like a sprinkler head, just, <laughs> you know what I mean? And <laughs> Kind of like that headband strain?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, it was a little more intense wow. than that, man. Like literally the headband, it was just constantly around the head. Mm, yeah. This one literally would go from the front to the back as it was just like, you know, a wave of water just getting spritzed across my brain like i could feel it all oh, it was <laughs> it was amazing man and uh I don't get those experiences anymore. <laughs> oh, you know, I was just gonna say that uh,
1: I can name a couple experiences I had when I first started smoking that uh, were, I would imagine, psychoactive. But yeah, I've never been able to achieve that again. Yeah, even with complete sobriety for months at a time. <laughs> That's that chasing of the dragon, chasing. man. Yeah, you no, know,
0: it's it's the first and the second experiences that are so memorable uh, that we, I don't think, we'll ever forget. Uh, it's, it's the things that keep us going. But at the same time, um, it's well, you can't really compare one experience to another, you know, it's almost singular in a sense, because to compare one, you're taking from the other, you know, or adding in a sense, but they're completely different. So they should they should honestly be viewed as singular, unless it's a, a whole combination of experiences to make that grander whole experience. So I just kind of try to give every single one the respect it deserves and, and, and acknowledgement in that.
1: With as in touch as you are with the things that you do, did you have that same sort of uh, passion when you first started the cannabis or like when you started growing? Uh, was yeah. there passion already there?
0: Oh, most definitely, man. It was, uh, you know, I, I honestly feel like, you know, some people are, are born to do things. Um, some people are born to be, you know, uh, hard, hard, hard working men on concrete. Some men are born to be office men. Uh, I honestly feel that I was born to grow cannabis. You know, every single thing that I've done in my life, I feel has added to my, my understanding of cannabis, you know, to the smells, my loving and smells and colognes and, and the breaking it down. Um, as to the taste and the palate, um, because it's all one and the same. Uh, Then it transitioned there from experiences, you know, the energetic side, the, you know, the whole feeling. And uh, it just was a whole grand experience that I was feeling and it it just was addicting. Do you think that that
1: translates into the same experiences with mushrooms? I mean, I shouldn't say same, but
0: were you experiencing experiencing mushrooms, uh, as early as 13? No mushrooms is something uh, hallucinogens. I actually took the backseat on for quite a while until mm-hmm. I hit about 21. Uh, that's when I started. Um, oh, I take that back with mushrooms. this actually was in high school. Mm-hmm. LSD was 21. I see. I wanted to wait on that one. Yeah. I felt like when people call it frying the brain, <laughs> I wanna take the back seat. On you them. wanted to be developed
1: first. Yeah, and <laughs> I was
0: like, I'll go a little more natural. Yeah. Um, the mushroom definitely was, uh, it changed my life from the first time. I'll never forget that either. Uh, to, to trying to eat Chinese food, um, you know, walking around, driving, uh, the things you don't do, driving for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was seeing the lanes, like swerving. Um yeah, it was definitely not How much was your first time uh, as far as the the amount? F- the first time, believe it or not, was I split one point two grams with someone else. So roughly a half to point six. Straight microdose. <laughs> and believe it or not, man, I kid still. you not, from twelve thirty in the afternoon I was still feeling it till the time I went to bed around eight thirty, nine o'clock. And so me considering that it was just a small dose, uh it was uh on the mushrooms, yeah, uh, how it affected me, uh, I guess from the first time, you know go, going back to the experience uh, you know, off this point six that lasted me all day, uh, it really opened my mind to have more understanding for just acknowledgement. You know, it sped up my mind in a way that I've never had it do before. And it was uh, explaining things to me like I've never had it do before. All I had to do was lock eyes on an object and my brain would start explaining it. And that right there really blew my mind in a sense to uh, really try to digest that information that the brain was telling me. And then it got into this loop and it started repeating a lot of information, but in this gigantic loop of information. And so that's when I soon realized like, I've got to smoke when I take these mushrooms.
1: Like cannabis
0: or? Yes, cannabis. Uh, Because of the fact that it was speeding up my mind to a level that i couldn't uh, digest properly so i had to slow it down so that i can receive the information because you know as i'm you know looking at things and it's explaining things it sometimes i'd have it explained faster than other times so i was constantly chain smoking always every single time i would take mushrooms i'd be smoking non-stop it it pretty much is a rule now if i don't have any weed or cannabis i don't really plan on doing it you know uh, i have done them without but it's just it feels so complete with cannabis it's it's, it just feels like it's just uh you're supposed to do one with the other (laughs) you know yeah it's, it kind of it feels good in the lungs. You have this whole new experience with cannabis too, because it's, it's bringing uh, the acknowledgment to cannabis now that you've never had before with the mushroom, because you know, I, I, I learned that if you fight it, that's when you start not having a good time. It's to learn to go with it and to have that understanding as to why. So I started realizing that the mushroom was kind of like a, a cheat code to reality, like this, this hacker cheat code, you know. And uh, But then I realized that, well, I'm only accessing this cheat code through the mushroom. So how, how can I do or how can I access this without? Because it's got to be possible, right? If I can do it with it, hell i know i can do without it yeah so the potential's there yeah so it, it just it's like if i see you do something i know it's possible exactly you know and that's just the whole thing behind that and so it was it was like you like i like i said a cheat code because you can see what you're capable of doing but with or without it yeah so i started trying to figure out well what you know, I, that's when I, I started looking at every single experience that I was having, like as to why, well, why is it explaining things to me? Why is it doing this? Why can't, why can't I slow my mind down? Like, why is it continuously, uh, why is it so strong, you know? And I started looking into meditations, having understanding for state of minds, you know, I, I, I was trying to learn how to have self-control because i know that you know i've never really had a bad experience or a bad trip with mushrooms it was more or less me kind of weighing on the mind because i knew i had something i was supposed to be doing work or whatever you know just i had something to do so i'm thinking about it and i wasn't relaxing it wasn't allowing my my mind to expand and go places
1: have you had,
0: quote unquote, a bad trip? No, I, I, you know, that's where the time and preparation was always key for me. And, Absolutely. You know, I, I had, uh, I, you know, me not taking mushrooms for until like my high school, I think it was uh, maybe sophomore, junior year, I believe.
1: Do you think that there's a connection between the cannabis and mushrooms? <laughs> Is it a gateway drug? <laughs> um, to, to psychedelics, the the cannabis. Yeah, uh, I mean, think about it. A lot of people that do cannabis also mingle with uh, psychedelics. I, I agree, uh, but I mean, it's not like it's a you know you don't see a bunch of cannabis users shooting up
0: heroin all the time. So I mean, yeah, and see, I, I you know going to your question that I do feel in in the the perception of some where they see it as. You know, you going all the way to like crack or heroin, you know, it's not that gateway type of drug.
1: I think like all psychoactive substances, cannabis uh, opens your thoughts some or frees your mind, so to speak. I don't think it does it to the level of psychedelics, but cannabis allows you to consider uh, outside things external from you. Mm-hmm. Right. I become more empathetic. I become an easier person to deal with. I also think I could become a better parent, and and that's strategic. I'm not saying like, well, I'm high all the time with my kids, but if I'm having a stressful day, yeah, might be beneficial for me to go relax for ten minutes, take a couple of hits, and then go interact with my kids, because uh, I'll be in a better space, yeah, uh, and and not having patience or yelling at them because I've had a bad day, mm. yeah, no bueno. So. But it allows us, I think, to
0: have different perspectives. What do you think? I I definitely do feel that uh, the cannabis perspective is definitely uh, different from a sober-minded person. And uh, to be honest, I feel that if you've been sober all your life, I I, I don't really take what you say too much to the point to where you got to have some compassion and understanding in life. You know, I'm not saying you got to go and do all the drugs in, in the book to have understanding for everybody, but, uh, you know, I've come from an addiction in my life. You know, I have understanding and compassion for any type of addiction. So for, for me to take that away from anyone is, is, it's not part of my character. Do you think psychoactive substances are medicinal? Most definitely. I feel that they bring about uh, a perspective of self reflection. Almost every single psychoactive I've come across has brought about a level of self reflection that uh, I kind of took singular with each one. You know, I've taken uh, peyote, I've taken ayahuasca, I've done DMT, um, I've drank or I've eaten multiple forms of peyote. Um, Now, peyote is a endangered cactus? Yeah, uh, it's definitely endangered for sure. Ever since people were going out when they found out about peyote, they were extracting the peyote in in ways in which they're not allowing it to regrow. The way you're supposed to harvest the peyote is, I believe, with a wooden knife and you cut, you're basically supposed to top it. You're not supposed to take the root. You leave okay. the root so that way it can regrow back. Sure. But, but that takes time, right? Now yes, that's a long-growing cactus, right? Most definitely. So you got right. like a couple things going against you there. but Yeah, and that's the thing is uh, when it got very popular, everybody just harvested the crap out of it. So yeah. it, it wiped it out. But still they, they, they leave it up to the, uh, the natives now to take care of, uh, the Peyote uh, locations and some areas that I've learned about in Arizona. Uh, my cousin is a native out there, a Native American, so I got to uh, enjoy some of the ceremonies that you know he would have. Um, they call it Sundance. Not, it's not the film festival.
1: Yeah. Uh, is it like a traditional uh, Native
0: American Sundance? Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. I've seen. I've
1: actually, been present to one of those. Ah,
0: okay. So funny uh, enough were you there for the last four days of the ceremony or no,
1: it was just the essential, I guess it must've been the beginning oh, okay. where they were bringing the, the
0: purification. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, it basically I'll break it down. It's sure it's an eight day ceremony okay. where it's four days of purification and four days of the actual ceremony. And in those, the four days of ceremony, they're fasting, no food, no water. And those are the sun dancers. Those are the ones in the center of the circle and they're, Literally, uh, they're they're fighting spiritual battles out there. And some of them have visions, some of them will fall to the ground, and uh, they're very sensitive to energies out there. And um, when they notice the sun dancers starting to fall in the center of the circle, that's when they start looking around as to what is causing this. And out there, they call it uh, women on their moon cycle. <laughs> and so no explanation needed yeah and it's <laughs> it's uh very uh i guess energetically impactive to the sun dancers so immediately they'll go around and start asking and seeing if any women are on that or uh trying to figure out why the sun dancers are falling down if they're not having visions of course because if they fall down and have a vision then that's what they were supposed to do in the first place
1: now are these people sober or are they intentionally inducing states? I mean, I know you can through various natural ways without using, you know, like
0: lack of sleep. Yep, I don't what? do some crazy visions. Well, I mean, they're out there sleeping in that circle. Okay. Uh, for those four days. So they're cold. Mm-hmm. You know, they only have, you know, maybe a sleeping bag. They they have no nutrition, you know, no water. So they're they're really weathered out there. Pushing it, yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, so it's it's something that you know for me when I was there, I was a supporter for the first year, and me realizing that support is a big thing in life. And then soon after that, into this the the end of the first year to the second year, I became a fireman, and the firemen, what they're supposed to do is. Tend the fire, but that's for the entire course of the ceremony. So for eight days. Oh, wow. I've got is that day and night? Oh, yeah. Rain, sleet, or snow. One person, one job. No, 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 no. Okay. This is not a one-man job. I didn't think so. Because it's, you got to understand, with the tending of the fire, we also uh, heat up the stones for the sweat lodges. Mm -hmm. So... We, at like 2, 3 in the morning, got to get up. Usually one person is lead for the course of the night, and they're the ones that stays up. So they wake up to everybody else, and we load up the fire with stones according to how many sweat lodges we have to pertain to. And uh, then we load up the logs and we heat up the stones. So by sunbreak, you know, that morning, uh, we've got the sweat lodges ready to go so that's part of the purification and we purified the sun dancers and the supporters so it's uh it's every, two times every day morning and at night so you've got it it's an all-day job you know at the same time you've got to prepare your wood you know the people are going out and foresting it and bringing it back where then you're chopping it up and getting it and preparing it for the fire i mean you've got piles of wood that you go through uh, that i've never really seen anybody go through but in eight days you got to keep that fire going and, well uh, yeah if it's constant
1: uh, yeah well this is interesting that you bring all this up because one thing i have done all the way through is a sweat sweat lodge i don't know what they call them officially mm-hmm. um, but my dad was fortunate enough to know some people that new uh, tribe that's an Ashland tribe or that area I don't know this has been like literally over 20 years ago mm-hmm. but there's an area above Ashland that they would do these um, real sweats apparently the medicine man had to do it and he had, had it structured all the way it was supposed to be it was supposed to be um, what you know from beginning to end it was supposed to be exactly how they did it and it was really interesting um, it wasn't all day process yeah and Although, when I got to the, as I understood it, this is how I understood it is that typically when you start the sweat, you go in there. I don't, I recall it being approximately an hour. And, um, you know, the intention was to stay in there and do the process and Mm -hmm. do the whole thing, uh, you know, as one one thing. Mm -hmm. But it is intense. And so, for the people, they made four sessions out of it. Where, yeah, yeah so seven
0: the, stones each time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: you understand it. You might talk more about this since it's been so long for me, and I, I want you to. But I mean, it, it was a intense, intense experience. Even though I got out four separate times, uh, getting back in on that fourth session, I was definitely in a different dimension. Yeah, and definitely hallucinating. Very intense, mm-hmm. uh, overly intense. Like, and it was so such a short span of time. Like, it was, you know, oh boy, this is more than I thought. Next session, uh oh, yeah. Third session, shit. Can I do this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm at the bottom of this, you know, because everybody's real close together, mm-hmm. right? And so you're elbow to elbow, and I'm trying to lay over on the ground just because the heat temperature from yep, six inches rises. higher <laughs> yeah. is so much. I'm trying to get to the bottom. And wondering if I'm going to die. And then on the fourth session, straight out, uh, outer space. And then, of course, you know, we got out. It's nighttime by now. And the first thing he says is he runs us. Someone grabbed you or walked you to this little river and they put you in there. And it was just like all your freaking pores just clap shut. And it was right back to reality. Like it was just, you know, and you were there and present. Right. And uh, I felt so incredible for the next two days uh almost like i had worked out really really hard mm-hmm. but then that after effect after you work out yeah that that endorphin rush yep. just lasted for just like 48 hours just mm-hmm. intense and everything i did in that 48 hours was just pleasurable yeah. like i could drink a you know beer or soda or something just like oh this is the best you know it was right. crazy <laughs> yeah but why don't you elaborate on it and tell kind of everybody about the process and obviously you're more, uh, native with that stuff. Uh, I
0: mean, th- I, like I said, I, I had a, a blessed, a blessing of the ability to be able to take care of that fire. Um, you know, I go there and I'm trying to do these things and it's, uh, believe it or not, it was pretty, pretty much like, I don't know. It was, I was a native, let's just put it that way. Uh, So I was getting overlooked very, very, (laughs) a lot. Mm. And it was kind of weighing on the mind. And all I wanted to do was contribute, support and learn. And by me trying to do as much as I could, uh, they looked at me differently you know, because they've had a lot of people come in and what they do is it's called culture stealing. Mm -hmm. And they come in, they learn their ceremonial ways and they basically go off and they make money off of it. So, so then they, you know, they raise an eyebrow at me and they're kind of looking at me a certain way. So they really don't allow me to do many things. So I kind of, you know, got a little loud and I was like, man, all I want to do is work. And so one of the natives heard me and he came over and he's like you want to work brother and he's like why don't you come over to the fire so the fire is what was the doorway for me to have that knowledge brought to me because the fire is the heart of the ceremony the fire is kind of like the olympic fire like that thing cannot right. not go out for sure. eight days and i've seen it get pretty low man we've been chewed out for it but uh believe it or not it always comes back You know, it may look like it's out, but you put a couple logs on there, it turns back back, on. It's weird. Those stones. I bet. And that's the secret is the stones. The stones and the fires will keep it going through rain, through snow, any of that. It will just keep it going. As long as you load it up with wood, it's not going to go out as long as you've had the preparation for it. Mm -hmm. So with the ceremony, uh, having the first four days of purification it's kind of laid back you know it's kind of you know everybody just going around doing things but then on the four days of the ceremony they have dancing uh ceremonial dancing uh what is it like they have basically their their usual um i guess sun dance they greet the sun every morning and they basically soak up energy from the sun and that's their basically breakfast. And so after that, usually after every round of dancing, they pass around the chinupa, which is the peace pipe. And uh, they select certain people in the crowd to come up and grab the chinupa and then they'll bring it back and you have your own little circle within amongst your your family or whoever around you and you pass around the pipe and you all do your smoke session and you say your prayer and majority of the time everybody is there to pray you know that's why it was easy for me to kind of mesh in because everybody's there to pray and Mm -hmm. I pray a lot you know I that's something that uh it's like consideration for people you know it's something like I care about people so praying is something that you know people do Mm -hmm. um but what do they put in those peace pipes uh tobacco
1: it is tobacco yeah it's tobacco do they ever put anything else in do they ever mix anything Mm, no
0: straight tobacco um but it's it's uh it's clean tobacco i believe majority of the time it is gotta be american spirit or something that has all the 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 crap taken out of the rat poison and all that. So yeah. it's nothing, it's it's real tobacco for the most part. Well, much healthier. But on the side, usually people are rolling up, um, you know, uh, anise seed and uh, clover and, you know, things, weird things they put inside their tobacco to flavor it. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, the the first couple years, actually I take it back the first year, uh, they don't allow you to smoke cannabis and uh, I brought my little old school, <laughs> you know, a little bit of hash I found in my tent. And uh, I didn't have a pipe at the time. So I poked holes inside of a can and I, you know, took a little rip. But I had to keep it really low key. Oh, yeah. There, you know, because they are like, you know, smell dogs, hounds out there, man. Well, of course. Now, is that because
1: it's uh, not good for the ceremony or is it because it's... A drug itself or how did what's going on
0: yeah i think they feel that or they kind of consider it more of a drug interesting so it's 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 you know it's perception because then they're over there doing peyote the entire time right you know so but not everybody but for the most part people they they do go and sit up for peyote ceremonies because they have them probably like two to three of the nights out of the course of the eight will there sit up all night and eat peyote till, you know, eight at night to eight in the morning. No matter
1: what society we talk about, there's going to be some drugs that are accepted and some that aren't. The one thing that's interesting, though, is these tribes and Native Americans and stuff, they're using these heavy psychedelics. Like you just described, it's not like there's a bunch of people doing them, though. Not everybody does them. It's not like kids are running around getting in trouble, you know, going out in the woods and tripping and shit. Mm -hmm. Seems like that's the propaganda we've been fed is if, God, drugs are legal. Then all of a sudden, we're just going to be a bunch of you know apes running around in the field and you know yeah. jumping off buildings. And it's
0: yeah, it's and see, it's the thing is, peyote wasn't my upbringing, so I always saw peyote as something I was like, whoa, it was kind of more extreme than cannabis to me, you know. So for someone to kind of look at flip it, flip the script, <laughs> yeah, it kind of was like, all right, you know, I'll I'll try to respect it to an extent, right, you know, but. uh, I think I only smoked one time the first time or the first year and then the second and third year I tried to give it, you know, I was like, it's eight days. I can stop for eight days. Sure. And it actually helped me to stay up and tend the fire anyway. So, yeah. uh, But then I started smoking tobacco with them to kind of get that tobacco experience, right? you know, and, you know, I have an understanding for it, Mm -hmm. but it's not something I prefer, you know, it's, cannabis is the way to go for me.
1: Not everything is made for everybody. Now, you said you had done peyote, all of it, DMT, Mm -hmm. LSD. Can we take a moment and go through those real quick? And I know they're all different, right? Oh, yes. Okay, so what's peyote like? Now, I know you can get a little sick, Um, so you want to do it properly.
0: Okay, so I've had multiple experiences with the peyote. I've had it in a ceremonial way where they sit up all night, which is the – eight to eight in the morning, eight at night to eight in the morning. Mm -hmm. And that was three different forms of peyote. They had uh, a peyote paste, which is the buttons dried out, ground up into a dry powder. And then they have an already brewed peyote tea that they kind of put a little in, a little juice to turn turn it into a slurry. Paste, yeah, slurry. And so then they have the raw peyote button the cactus cut up, and then they have the tea. So you've got the tea, the slurry, and the buttons going all around. In and
1: they ingest, like everybody or whoever's ingesting, ingests all three.
0: Oh yeah. Now what's the purpose of three, or the the different? Um- See the 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 purpose of the three. I feel is your body receives things differently, and you know some of them. I feel. Would affect you faster than others. You know, uh, maybe your body would metabolize uh, the liquid faster than the slurry, or vice versa. Um, but I don't know on an energetic aspect as to why they had the different three. Um, I could say they just they like to get the doses high, just simply because they, you know, they blew my mind, man. So I've,
1: these aren't micro doses. No, 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 no. (laughs) And these people are
0: essentially inebriated? Like, I mean, you're not moving around much? Uh, No, we are sitting still. We are sitting in a teepee all around a fire, and they have uh, two specific fire people attending the fire the entire time, and the fire people are actually the ones that uh, will come around and pick up your throw up. Uh, It would seem like
1: with the different forms, maybe people could pick and choose kind of what they want, but... Unless it all combines as a, do they, maybe it, each form does something different? I mean,
0: I, I do feel that, you know, if you didn't want to take one of the others, you, you can okay. not, mm-hmm. uh, you're not forced to take all three if you don't want to. Like, I don't want flour. I want dabs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you just, uh, just take the paste. <laughs> well, I see the first time around, you know, cause they, they pass it around and, uh, the first time, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to go in for this. And that's when I realized peyote is probably the most bitter thing I've ever had in my life. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, it, it beat ayahuasca. The Ayahuasca tasted better and good compared to peyote. What kind of high do you get out of peyote? Is it very visual? Uh, for me, it was more of a an effect and a cleansing and a, and a clean because at that time... I feel like my body actually needed to be cleansed um so it's internal I mean you're definitely going oh I was yakking I was throwing up man and uh once I threw up the first time the first time uh uh that's when it hit me that I I actually had the fear come on Uh uh and I'll I'll give you to it uh I started less, lessening up on the doses, man, as it came around. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's when I, how re- long did it take to kick in? Uh, man, I'd say about 30, 45 minutes and I was probably okay. starting, I, I, I'd throw up, throw up, definitely kicked it off. And, uh, then by then, you know, it, it's kind of, to me, it was a little embarrassing simply because I'd have to have someone come and clean my throw up. And I felt bad, you know what I mean? Because they literally stopped the ceremony. Once someone stop or starts throwing up, they grab the medicine from you if you have it and make sure, you know, none of the throw up's getting on there because they call it getting well. Getting well for a reason because whatever you're throwing up, you need M- to throw up. Ah, interesting. And so getting back to, I think you were asking about the doses and yeah. how high they were. Um, I didn't see a lot of these natives throwing up, man. it was blowing my mind.
1: Well, they must build a immunity or tolerance of some M- sort?
0: Must be. And at the time I'm seeing So
1: you're you're just a little virgin uh, behind the ears.
0: Yeah, dude. And I'm seeing the drummer over little,
1: there. Little
0: little Hispanic boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm seeing I'm seeing the drummer over there literally eating the slurry, which is the most bitter part. And he's saying it's like, oh it tastes like chocolate. Oh my God. And I'm like, no it does not. I can understand why you say that, but it does not taste yeah. like chocolate. And these dudes are just sweating hard and then I'm over here throwing up. So I'm just like acknowledging everybody around me because it was like another level of self-reflection and me uh, experiencing the body effects because it was like an alleviating feeling, like mm. a light, like something was like floating out of me kind of deal. And uh, the fire was very, you know, hallucinogenic. Okay. I, I was seeing things dancing on the fire and mm-hmm. it's kind of almost spirit-like. But then also too, it's uh, you're experiencing things with everybody else too. So everybody else's experiences are kind of thrown upon you. So mm-hmm. if you're often kind of a, a a trip in a sense, and then all of a sudden you hear, Ugh! it kind of pulls you back. Sure. <laughs> So it was very difficult for me to really let go in that type of scenario, just simply because it was like so many experiences bombarding mine. So that was kind of like the ceremonial aspect of taking the peyote. Then I had the just the singular where I was tending the fire and I did some energy work on one of the medicine women there and she gave me a button And so I took the button and I went and started tending the fire. And when I tended the fire, that's, that's when I really started connecting with the fire. I had an understanding for it. It really allowed me to get closer to it. Um, It's, it's really truly was a connection, you know? And uh, you know, when the first I started tending the fire, I'd see people literally like face into it, putting logs in because when you're putting up the wood onto the the stones, they call the stones the grandpas, the, gr- the grandfathers. So you're not allowed to throw wood on the grandpa. You're not allowed to speak curse words around the grandpas. So there's a lot of respect that you're supposed to be doing to these stones that are in the sweat lodges. So these men are like, you know, face first into this fire. And I'm like, dude, how are you doing that? And he's like... uh you got to connect with the fire. I'm like, how do you do that? And uh, he says, you got to speak to it. you got to connect with it. you got to build a relationship. Tell it what you're here to do. And, uh, well, I'm here to tend the fire. He's like, yeah, you're going to be here to keep it alive, right? I go, yeah. And he's like, well, tell it that. Tell it you're here to keep it alive. Tell it to let you be closer to it because you're there to help it, not to stop it. And that that increased my connection, my relationship with the fire, truly, to where then people were looking at me like, how, how are you in there doing that? And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's building that connection. People yep. call it just me working with the fire for a long period of time, but uh, it was truly a connection, you know. Is there any similarities to other psychedelics? Like, I wouldn't say similar to anything, man, like uh, going on to the question, talking about like each, you know, peyote, uh, the DMT was its own thing, Uh, even though DMT by like, I don't know, default is kind of like ayahuasca in a smokable form. But it being the same thing still was not because the ayahuasca was more of a body. You know, at that time, like I told you, I I had said, I don't know if I had, mentioned it but uh, I prepared fully for the ayahuasca journey I stopped smoking Uh, I, I stopped eating certain foods you know I prepared physically mentally emotionally for that experience just because I wanted to to have the understanding as to what that was gonna contribute to my life and what I learned was I had already done all the cleansing so it wanted to, to entertain me. So I started seeing kaleidoscopes and stuff and you're probably going to think this the wrong thing, but I kind of got mad and I'm like thinking, I don't want to be entertained. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so then this spirit, they call it mother ayahuasca started talking to me and said, well, what do you want? What do you want? And when do you want it? I go, uh, I want to learn. And it, so it goes well when do you want I go i want it now so immediately it was like falling back into my body like i was starting to take off into that uh um entertainment phase you know and so when i got back to myself it really started making me acknowledge everything around me and not so much explain things to me like the mushroom show me things like on an energetic level, what people were doing, how compassionate people were, uh, what state of beings people were in, you know, it's not like that physical like, oh, doorknob that you turn it, open a door, you know, like the mushroom aspect, this was this was deeper, this was more energetic, this was uh, a feeling because, you know, I was feeling people's auras or or energy that they were putting off some people were cleansing, some people weren't. Uh, At that time, I didn't throw up. I went three rounds with the ayahuasca and didn't throw up. And so that was, I was told by the spirit that I had already done all the preparation to be cleansed. So I didn't need to cleanse. And that taught me there that with certain types of uh, medicinal hallucinogens, you have levels. You either have to cleanse yourself or you get to experience the spiritual bliss or um, that good feeling or aspect of what we like to experience from what they have to offer so by learning this information I was like oh well if I have to prepare for one thing like this then maybe I've got to do it for another or for this other and so that's where isolating the experiences for each hallucinogen really helped me to learn to learn something else from the other. So it was like these puzzle pieces that were just connecting. And uh, when it was <clears throat> coming to smoking the DMT, that was, I'm looking at you and I'm not seeing you type of deal. Right. Uh, yeah, it was completely gone. Uh, I would say, the, one of the first times I was in a in black abyss, like there was just nothing, but nothing was something. And these objects were coming to me. And this is on DMT. Yeah, this is on DMT, uh, smoking it. And I had, are we three hits in? What is it? What I was told to do was to get a little tiny clogger nug on the bottom of a bowl and just dust the entire top and smoke the whole thing until you can't smoke no more and ghost every hit and usually you don't really get past the third hit right so you that's gotta, what i've heard yeah <laughs> so you usually got to have somebody on standby to kind of grab the pipe and the lighter from you so you can just kind of sit back and just let yourself go
1: so you're not essentially moving if you get that deep into the dmt you're not moving I wouldn't recommend it. Well, right, but I mean, but no, I'm not. You can choose not to move. Uh, yeah, and then so just sit there and you're good. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay, and but the, but your motor functioning
0: is skewed, to say the least. Yeah. Okay. It's it's definitely. Uh, now see, this is the thing. Is, I think about three of the experiences of the DMT of smoking it. I was uh, keeping my eyes closed. And then the fourth time, because i I grew a healthy fear for this, uh, when I had my eyes open, I could send a perspective view like to the other side of the room, if you understand what I'm saying, so I could basically see like a camera view in the corner of the of the the room, but from that aspect, but sitting from where I was at, you that's, understand that's what I'm crazy, saying? man that's... yeah. And that was at will. That was uh, for a brief moment, yes. Not for long. It was maybe for five to ten minutes that I was capable of doing that. And that was keeping my eyes open. That was that experience. Because most of the times when I had my eyes closed, it was like flashes of certain things. Like you now, everybody always explains it as a as a dying. Like you have an experience, like you die. And then you get to go to the experience, correct? Right. Well, before I had even smoked it, I wanted to see if I could stimulate my mind to be able to do that. I mean, it's milking the pineal gland. You know, that's basically in layman's terms what it is. So I looked up meditations and I actually tried to stimulate my mind or milk my pineal gland through these meditations. And that was a whole nother experience in itself. And uh that to have that understanding that To milk a pineal gland? Yeah. It seems like it would be. <laughs> I'm gonna have to make this one mature audiences. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's uh you get this metallic taste in your mouth. Okay. And you get a weird stomach feel because it's it like drops to the gut kind of feel and uh um it's, it's hard to really explain the the taste and the sensation coming on, but- And again, this is DMT? No, this was the meditation.
1: Oh, gotcha, okay. Yeah, so yeah. the meditation, so this, is, this uh, was prior
0: because remember I had wanted to try to stimulate my mind mm-hmm. to be able to uh, achieve that breaking through because yeah. I always hear people saying that, oh, I never broke through. right. And so I wanted to kind of give myself a stepping stone because going back to everybody, uh, going through that kind of scenario of dying, I didn't want to experience that. So I tried to figure out a way of not trying to have to experience that. So if I had already knew how to milk the pineal gland in a sense, and the DMT is what stimulates that kind of, then I'm already, jumping over that that experience of of having to experience the death because for me the only reason you experience that is because you're tricking your mind to secrete that you're, you're telling your mind you're dead and that's what usually happens is the dmt gets starts you know coming out so that's the only thing i could come up with as to why everybody goes through this fake death to get through this breakthrough point and so for me, I never ever experienced that fake death. You know, I've had friends tell me, they've like, oh yeah, I've had a experience where someone came in, they stabbed me and I died on my, my apartment floor or, you know, all these different scenarios of death. And I never had to experience that. So with that being said, I I would break through immediately because i had already pre-done these meditations i was already trained my mind to be at that point so when i smoked it 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 definitely uh sent me straight to this kind of office like room and i was like waiting there's this little counter there was no reception there no receptionist <laughs> there was this tv wow and this tv uh Have you ever seen, I think it was one of the, I think, Avenger movies or something. It was like this metallic blob thing that kind of was just flowing around and forming different shapes and different patterns and, you know, plaid and and colors. And it was just like, it was there to entertain like TV. And then to my, to my left, there was just this hallway of doors And I could best describe it if you've seen the matrix in that room where he's looking down, he's fighting everybody in that hallway of doors. it's exactly what it was. Crazy. And I could either A, sit in the waiting room or walk down the hallway and start opening doors. And by me opening the doors, I would, they were not labeled, they didn't have any numbers. They were just all the same. So I didn't know what was on the other side ever. And everyone was completely different. Hence the growing of the fear that was right. stopping me from going back there. Wow. Maybe that's the lesson right there, man. It, man, it is you're opening doors that cannot be closed ever again. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's like you're opening a connection with those frequencies, those realities, those places. I call it a place because with people experiencing this place all around the world, it's not just a hallucination. It's a place that people go to when their mind allows them access through that frequency or state of mind. So it's, uh, it's something that I, like I said, I grew such a healthy fear that after four or five times of smoking it, I didn't want to go back. You know, at one point I opened a door and I'm looking up and there's these reptilians all around me getting ready to do somewhat of an operation. And it's like, you can get caught up in those experiences mm-hmm. or you can realize that, hey, man, you can you can step out of yeah. that room and oh, go, yeah. you know, go to a different one. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, it was frightening, man, you know, to the point to where uh, I, di- I didn't want to go back there no more. And you don't? Uh, I haven't in quite a while. Mm-hmm. You know, given that, you know, uh, I think the most recent hallucinogen that I've done was probably the the peyote. That's the one that's kind of stuck with me a little bit more, just because of the the time that I've invested in the ceremony. You know, the, it's a four year kind of commitment. So I did four years of tending that fire in a sense. So it was a, a long thing for me to do. And it, it just honestly helped me have understanding for that culture, you know, for, for the hierarchy within the, that whole place, you know, the, how they had it just very political, mm-hmm. you know, believe it or not. And uh, I really learned that, you know, they kind of are, stick to their own you know they if if you're not part of their of their kind in a sense they uh they overlook you so it's not nothing against them they just want their people to continue their heritage <clears throat> yeah absolutely so it's it's i understand it you know why why go and learn native indigenous ways from a white white person in a sense that never was really born into it. it's something they learned not to take anything away from that person, but I'm just saying, you know, it's it's looked upon, I guess, or more copacetic for the mind to receive coming from that stature, that state of mind or a state of being of person to have that culture within their life, their entire upbringing. So it's,
1: uh, yeah, it's uh, Are you gonna have a relationship with psychedelics ongoing? I mean, you gonna go back to them? Uh, do you have one, like, are, are you close with mushrooms or? The,
0: the mushroom, honestly, I'm I'm feeling a calling, mm-hmm. but I honestly feel like uh, I started learning more understanding for sources of the mushroom, you know, and, and state of mind and state of being. Because, you know, if we're always, you know, conscious of, you know, buying organic foods and organic cannabis, then why can't we, not that, the mushroom is not organic, but how how organic was the person's mind in a sense to the point to where were they polluting that mushroom with bad mindsets or or bad states of beings in a sense to where you know maybe they were emotional to, in a state in a sense to uh, contribute uh, frequencies that you don't want to experience during your mushroom trip. Are you saying that?
1: In, I mean. This is taking it a step further, but I mean, do you recommend just making your own then, growing your own? That's what I was getting. (laughs) It sounds like you're leading it right into just, uh, you know, just like cannabis. If you want to know what's in it, grow your own. Exactly.
0: And that's kind of what I'm coming to is, is I honestly want to grow my own to see if I can experience a complete difference, whether it be uh, the fact that you know, when I was growing cannabis, the first rule of the garden was do not go in there if you're in a bad state of mind, if you're pissed off, don't go around the plants. Unless on your way to the plants, you're, you're going to get happy, don't go in there. And so I feel that that should also be contributed to the mushroom. You know, having understanding of the mushroom in that aspect, I think will help elevate the experience to a whole nother level of say, uh, cleansing or spiritual awakening. Um, I just would like to see the difference in experiencing something that I've grown as to what I've been taking my entire life because I've never really truly got to experience anything other than other people's grown mushrooms. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, I have never experienced my own, you
1: know, mushroom. That's it's a really good point. And I imagine that there's even if it's a short cycle with mushrooms. There's still that time of time spent and
0: mm-hmm. that relationship with them. So, but positive I, intention, yeah. And then also too the the different species or or strains. You know, I've definitely realized that uh, taking stargazers and God seekers and and penis envies and uh, the golden teachers and you know all these different. You know, Ecuadorians and all of them are different experiences, man. You know, <laughs> I
1: <I'm laughs> have to get on this road, this road less traveled, man. <laughs> I, I, I guess you know, I talk to so many people, and I just don't have the culture, you know, with much with psychedelics mm-hmm. that a lot of people do. i've My, it's very focused. You know, I've had some cubensis and I've had some LSD and. You know, I, I guess, I guess MDMA is psychoactive, right? Oh, oh yes. So I've had that. Um, I've but, definitely had that myself. Yeah. Which was an interesting thing. I, it's a great thing. the real, real MDMA is, is nice. It's amazing. But I just, the next days are always
0: a little rough, a little rough. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, well, see, take going into the preparation is I took it to a whole nother level too, man. Really? You know, considering like I was saying, uh, I would do a preload and an unload or a, yeah, a preload, unload, and then a a re-nourish. So it's basically you load up this grapefruit drink with all these different vitamins, basically everything your body was going to deplete in that night. Then after you go through the night, you do the same drink afterwards to replenish anything that you basically empty out the gas tank. So you're never really getting that fatigue, that kind of fog that you would get. And this is coming from an addiction of two to three years of, of doing, you know, uh, the MDMA The you know, I got it slipped into the pills for quite a while and to the point to where uh, I started realizing what this was doing to me through a realization that, you know, my mom kind of fucking had, uh, she pointed out, she asked me like, are you doing meth? And uh, I looked at her, I was like, no. Like, chemically speaking, it's a molecule different. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I told her, I was like, mom. I was like, nah, thanks for the consideration. But, I mean, I've been working out, been eating good. And that's when I went into the, the bathroom and I looked at myself and I was like, whoa. Like, I see what she sees, you know. And that's when I took a serious break from it for quite a while. And I came back to it again, but... You know, it's something that, you know, I had my fill on it. I think it's something that it's not really something that I need to help me to be more conscious, to be more aware, to elevate my mind. Uh, it's definitely a party drug for sure for me. And it was not that I'm not going to party anymore, but I'm definitely out of that party phase. Um, it's it's more for me expanding my mind and having that growth because uh, um, I started realizing, like, well, what, what can I take from you know this addiction that I had? Because I didn't want it to be a waste of my life. And so I started thinking to myself, like, well, what did I learn? I learned that when I'm really, really at a high point with it, my eyes start shaking uncontrollably to where whatever I look at, if I lock onto it, it'll start vibrating and it look like there's three or five or seven or and everything, the whole world is shaking and it's it's pretty intense. You wow. Know, a lot of people tell me that when they get there they don't like it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Oh. It's it's definitely uh a, a crazy experience to be able to look at your phone. And then all of a sudden, like it just buzzes on you and you're just looking everywhere and it's just flying everywhere in the visual. Like it's literally like someone took your, your uh, I guess your TV screen right. and started yeah. shaking it behind your perspective view. So you're seeing the TV screen shaking all in front of you. So it's like, whoa. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm having this intense view right now that I don't think anybody really truly understands. Right. And you better uh,
1: log that shit down. Y- yeah, <laughs>
0: man. And so, uh, psycho not. I, I started, you know, realizing, well, well, okay, well, that's something I learned. Well, I can I can do it on command in a sense with my eyes, but what can I, what did I really learn? And that's when I started realizing that. Really helped me to perceive light. I can see light a lot more uh or more efficiently uh, a lot better. I can see glows, I can see rays, you know some people call it like always frying or always tripping. I just understand it to be able to perceive something on a whole nother level that now that you know that it's there, you can do it without it in a sense, sure, you know so when I was truly at a high level with it, I was seeing like laser beams truly. Like when you're at a, at, a, at a party, you see laser beams of light everywhere, you know, but sober-mindedly you don't see those rays of light, but they're there. It's just we're seeing the eminent glow of those rays of light that you don't really get to see the actual beam. So it's a it's a controlled state of mind and a viewpoint that I was realizing enabled or in order to view it, I had to relax my mind and allow it to be. And as I continued to do that, I would learn how to do it at will, you know, so that's when I was truly at like, at peace I'm like, okay, you know, that, that addiction wasn't, wasn't a bad thing. It actually was a stepping stone to be who I am. An understanding of reality, you know, it, it taught me something to be able to perceive on a on a daily level, or daily daily experience. Um, and so, going back to each individual experiences, you know, with the mushroom, I feel like uh, like stargazers they were much different from the golden teachers, you know, golden teachers, i f- truly feel like they had something to teach. Uh, stargazers were more vo- visual, more kind of a uh, kaleidoscope. Um, then you've got the, uh, the God seekers, which was kind of more internal, you know, uh, then once I started going into these experiences and realizing they're so singular, it went up to a different level. When my buddy told me, he's like, so, you ever tripped in the dark? I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, man, think about it. The mushroom grows in the dark. <laughs> Why I always you... do it in the dark. Yeah. And it blew my mind. Man. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it, I think I did it with him with just a little candle and he'd blow it out at some point and we'd just sit there in silence, man. And uh, I remember standing up. And all I did was literally turn to the left and I walked into a whole nother world. Yeah, it was uh, pretty intense, man, because you'd think, you know, the mushrooms are going to be the same every time.
1: Oh, no, they have never, ever, ever been the same for me every time. Okay. Each time. And also, I mean, even the same batch of mushrooms i can get you know different yeah.
0: experiences but it's it's definitely something that uh
1: usually i push it hard though i'm inebriated generally i i'm walking like i'm drunk like that's how okay. that's oh, how on the mushroom on mushrooms. oh okay yes yeah, yes where most I, definitely yeah where i'm like okay, the weak just, knee kind of jello yeah yeah, yeah that's where i just like i
0: i bet i'm just better off sitting down and i and uh, i experienced that a lot off the penis envies Okay. The penis envies actually gave me that super drunk like yeah. you know effect where I literally fell over. Yeah, that's the thing is I wouldn't recommend any
1: activity not <laughs> not even hiking in the woods. I mean it's dangerous. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't even. Have... I, actually, I was actually hiking in the woods. Yeah, that's when I did man <laughs> uh, steps. You want to do steps like that?
0: Um, it was an. Ex- I mean, I've gotten lost. A buddy of mine really wanted to explore that. Um, I took it to where. Uh, the mushroom is something I'd like to do inside, yeah. of, you know, an area. But yeah, me too. He he's a hiker, and so he wanted to go out and take the mushrooms while hiking. Well, I did a quite a. F- I did a few. First one, I learned a lot. Uh, don't do it till you get to your destination. <laughs> okay. And then, once you get to your destination, have ample time to, to ex- do it yeah, to mm-hmm. do it uh because another time i went up on top of the this i think it's called seven falls it's a seven waterfall out in arizona and up in tucson and uh we went all the way up to the top and we that's when we took our mushrooms and so we sat there we had a great time we chilled out for quite a few hours and so it was time to come down and I was leading the the route back. And, you know, I'm looking, I'm making sure every step's firm, everything is perfect. And mind you, when we're going down, we have to cross the top of the waterfalls. So some areas it's very wide. Some of it, it comes down to a very narrow point that you have to cross, which is where the water is flowing down from. So you're literally stepping and walking through the waterfall. Well, about three of them down i uh i walk through an area that is clearly a depth a deep part where it comes up to almost my knees and uh right to the right of it it gets very shallow to about an inch to where you could literally slip and fall and i go across and uh, i'm getting ready to make my next step and i'm in my mind and I'm, i'm like double checking everything and my buddy stops me and I look back behind him. And he's like, dude, I almost just died right now. And uh, I look at him and he had this look of seriousness, like he had seen a ghost. And I look to my left and I just look at the fall that would have happened if he would have fell. And I go over to the edge to even emphasize that. I don't know why. But when I did that, uh, in the left side of my view, it looked like something had sliced my reality to where it was peeled open like almost like a portal, like a page was ripped in half and the two pieces folded open. And in the inside of that rip was the the, the reality of what would have happened if he had fell. And I was literally walking.
1: So like that was the universe that that happened in? Yeah.
0: Like yeah. in that reality, that universe literally happened and I got to see it. A glimpse of it. Yeah. And that's a trip. It, dude, it dropped my heart, dude. I I got sad all in that same moment because. You're happier in the this reality. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and I literally experienced, you know, the images, the flashes, the feelings that you know of talking to his mom and explaining to her crying with her and going to the funeral and it was literally like walking down a library and having the sections of books on the sides but it was literally memories of everything that would have happened in that reality and that's it's just like man it hit me hard like so hard and that's why I was like dude Get get behind me, bro! <laughs> like, and the, it's like, man, like I didn't understand how how much the severity of the actual thing that we were doing, and uh, that that did it for me, man. I I stopped going hiking on the right. mushrooms with him yeah. after that one. It's and he he has an understanding for why, but on the way down, one of the weirdest things, someone actually stopped us and was like, "Oh, hey." Cause I almost didn't kind of believe him that he fell. But then when we got to the bottom, this couple, this older couple stopped us and were like, Hey, you were that boy that fell on that the top of that waterfall, weren't you? And he's like, Uh, yeah. And she's like, We recorded that. Do you want to see it? And it's like, I was almost disgusted, dude. Like, this is my best friend, man. And you wanna show me a video that he almost died in like no i didn't know what to say to him so i just i just turned around and walked away because you know that was i don't know man that that impacted me so deeply dude i mean that was like my best friend sure you know so to to see that reality dude it's still it's like i'll never forget that it scarred me deeply
1: (laughs) well and that's what some people would call a bad trip but on the flip, you know, it's okay. uh, sometimes. All right, All right. Well, Yeah, <laughs> well, I think that's perspective. Yeah. I personally don't believe in bad trips. Yeah. I either believe it's a lesson, something you have to work through. I'll tell you this. I've had numerous times with mushrooms. Mushrooms are very, they make you vulnerable. Yeah. And they make you very aware. Mm-hmm. And you mix those two together and you come up with some stuff that you might have to work on. Yeah. Uh, but I think that if people... Follow those processes that you go through. It just—it's those are good things. I've never looked back at one and thought it was bad. And it sounds like even though this was a impactful experience, it's still an awareness thing. Oh, it's
0: still—I wouldn't take it back for the world. Right,
1: man. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it allow it. It you gained some insight and some knowledge that you know there are other no, realities. Well, <laughs> right, uh, which we even know in science is, and mathematically it's very possible. Yeah. So. Interesting stuff. This has been an awesome sit down. But I appreciate it, man. We're, we can sit down again in the future. Yeah, oh, this is awesome. I, I appreciate it, it totally. I'm Higher Peaks, and you've just listened to The Dirt Show. If you like this episode, please like, share, comment, and go to organrooted.com where you can subscribe to us on your favorite platform like iTunes, Pandora, or Spotify. Also, check us out on our YouTube for videos and IG, Facebook, and Twitter for all our updates. Thank you for listening.